Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. While the world has been in the grips of the coronavirus, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has had to adapt its worldwide missions. This hour, it's Preaching in a Pandemic with host Mary Richards on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. When pandemic restrictions began in March 2020, large groups of Latter-day Saint missionaries were sent home from all over the world, some singing on the airplanes. Many missionaries were locked down or quarantined, but they found as time went on, they could still preach the gospel. I spoke through Zoom to three return missionaries from Utah about what it was like when the pandemic began on their missions and their experiences afterward. Hannah Morgan started serving in the California Riverside Mission in July 2019. She talks about what happened in March 2020. My mission president sent out a memo kind of to all the missionaries. And he just told us about this thing called COVID-19. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And all these rumors were spreading around the mission. And I had just transferred to a new area called Hemet, California. And those area that has the most poverty, I guess. So I was so anxious to work and we were so excited. But then I heard this thing was going to stop us from working. It was like the second week in March, we were told to go and go buy two weeks worth of food because we might have to be quarantined. So it was kind of weird because I was thinking, you know, this is the Lord's work. He's not going to stop us for two weeks. Like he's going to figure it out. And then right around that time, my companion got sick. I was thinking, you know, is this COVID? But I didn't even know what COVID was to begin with. You know, we were cautious. We went to the doctor and, you know, we figured things out. And we actually began quarantining her before COVID even happened. So I was in quarantine for about three weeks with my companion. And then I got the word on a, it was a Wednesday night that because I have asthma, that I would be considered to be going home. And I thought to myself, why would I be going home? I, I've just been placed in an area where there's a lot of, you know, humble people that are ready and prepared to receive the gospel. And I was with a companion that I loved. I found out that I had to come home and so did my companion. Kelsey Straw served in the Florida Tampa mission from June 2019 to December 2020. I was also in a pretty rural area with a lot of humble people. We had set um, a baptismal date with our friend Paul two days before our mission got kind of shut down on like March 14th, I think. He was going to be baptized March 14th. And March 13th, we got on the call like every night with our mission president and all the missionaries. And he kind of went over 
how our mission is going to function for the next fit. And I just remember sitting there with me and my companion hearing that like, we can't go outside. We can't go talk to members of the congregation. We can't have lessons in person with our friends that we're teaching. And I just, I was kind of like Hannah, I was like, how, how's the work going to go on? Like we kind of were shooken up a little bit and I just sat there and I was like, what are we going to do? Like in our apartment, what are we going to do? There's nothing to do. But luckily our friend was still able to get baptized. We got permission from our mission president with very few people there wearing masks and everything. And that was a huge blessing. Wilson McConkie was a missionary in the England Manchester mission from August 2018 to July 2020. For us as missionaries, you don't really get like much direct access to the news. And so everything you hear about COVID-19 is just sort of secondhand source information coming at you. And so like played up to this big deal and other people would try and like play it down. Um, but we just kind of kept going on with our lives, just doing our job. And then things would start to happen, like all of our senior missionaries would get sent home or you know, the government would start to put like these restrictions down and, and we realized it was more serious. And so gradually it ended up into us going into lockdown. And in England, it was, it was pretty strict for the first few months. So we could only go outside about once a day for half an hour for exercise. And other than that, it was just figuring out Facebook and how to get along with a companion and <laughs> those type of things. So, so it, you kind of changed from meeting with people and, and knocking on doors or working with ward missionaries to just, was it all online then after that? Yeah. So before that, our mission had done like little to nothing with Facebook, which was unique. A lot of missions in like first world countries like England definitely did use Facebook. So we had a lot of trainings and a lot of church resources given to us that taught us how to use social media effectively because we just all got kind of got thrown into, you know, Facebook and all felt like greenies again. And it was good. It was exciting, but it was definitely an adjustment. What about you, Kelsey? How did you kind of talk more about working through that time and and kind of the Lord as, as your mission changed, how that uh, worked? I think for me, it was a lot of prayer because my mission was one of the few that actually stayed out, like kept, of course, like the high risk people, like, like Hannah, if you have asthma, you had to be sent home. Um, and so a lot of our missionaries had to go that March, but our mission president did a really good job of keeping us fortified in a way and just keeping our heads up. And, you know, he would always say, you know, the work goes on, like there's still so much you can do. And so I spent a lot of time on my knees just and brainstorming with my companion, just what, what resources do we have? What talents do we have that we can share um, how do we use Facebook? And then that blew up with all of the missionary work going on on social media. And so I think um, in my mission, it it just created so many different outlets then that we hadn't been using before uh, for missionary work. Um, and I think that had to do with the amount of of brainstorming and prayer and fasting that went into the whole pandemic of not just praying for for family members to be healthy and be um, safe. But I think just, you know, how the Lord's work was going, just praying that you'd still be able to find people that could receive the gospel, that could learn about Jesus Christ. And it was cool to see because it was a testimony to me that like prayer does work and that the Lord doesn't just leave you and abandon abandon us. But there was a lot of faith and hope in, in my mission that we were going to get through this 
um, just in a different way than we had thought. For Hannah Morgan, like so many missionaries, they had to work through the emotions of being sent home in the pandemic. When I look back at it, it was the perfect experience that I needed and other people were meant to stay. And I guess I wasn't meant to stay because because of that, I've now been able to help my little brother who's now currently serving in Rancagua, Chile. And I wouldn't have been able to help prepare him for a mission and experience the online MTC with him if I would have been on my mission. I asked them to share any other tender mercies they saw during that uncertain time and since then. Here's Kelsey Straw. So we called this Miracle March. We said we're going to pray every day as a mission that we can help each other, help ourselves find the people that the Lord needs us to find and be inviting them to be baptized. And by the end of March, we were told the statistics and the, the numbers from that month and it ended up being more than double than what we had been doing the past months. And again, this is when COVID hit, like COVID hit, missionaries didn't, weren't going out, but the work still continued. And we found that from the year before, you know, we had like 300 something baptisms. And then the year that COVID hit, we had almost double that with Facebook. We were getting double the amount of people to be baptized through Facebook. Wilson McConkie saw similar success through online ministering in England. There was, a, a thing, I think, a demographic of people that we were able to reach on Facebook and online. Um, that was entirely different from the type of people you'd meet on the streets of Manchester or Liverpool. One of the people I taught, her name was Paisley, and she was found online, like one of the one of the early, like, sort of us trying to find out how to talk to people online. We found her and she told us even, she said, if you were going to try and stop me on the street and bring me to like actual church, like that would terrify me. Like there's no way I would have stopped to talk to you. But because it's online and it's sort of like through a screen, she felt a lot more comfortable and she ended up getting baptized. And just the, the type of people we were able to meet and talk to, it was really amazing to see how the Lord was able to get us to them. Hannah's tender mercy may resonate with other missionaries who were unable to go back into the field during the pandemic. A tender mercy was just knowing that the Lord had a plan for the missionaries that were being sent home to not feel like, oh, you're getting sent home. Like, that's hard. Like, you must be hurting. Like, yes, I am. But he made a way for us to, I guess, cope and understand why. And even if it took people a long time, either way, people understood. They came to the conclusion that it was okay. Coming up next, Hannah's former mission president talks about those uncertain, anxious days as the pandemic began, and then how so many missionaries were able to adapt to share the gospel in new ways. I'm Mary Richards, and you're listening to Preaching in a Pandemic. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
Preaching in a Pandemic with Mary Richards on KSL News Radio. Latter-day Saint missionaries were suddenly locked down in their homes and apartments beginning in March 2020, but they began to adapt. There is peace in Christ. They posted music videos and inspirational messages, and these videos started going viral, and so did their Facebook and Instagram posts. Daryl and Joanne Hammond were presiding over the California Riverside Mission when the pandemic started. They were suddenly taking care of not only their own missionaries, like Hannah Morgan, whom we just heard from, but also reassigned missionaries coming from other parts of the world. Then they're reassigned, and we received 78 over over a seven-week period. And, and they didn't come in bunches. They just kind of came. They were exceptional missionaries coming from all I'm from Fiji, Japan, South Africa, you know, all the... Latin American countries, and it was just phenomenal missionaries coming. So then you had all these different cultures that you had to kind of make, you know, align with. And, you know, we talk a lot about alignment. You know, first, we align with the Lord. And if we align with the Lord, we're going to be fine. And they did. These missionaries came, they aligned, they they just. It wasn't, you know, well, we did this and this is how we did it in our mission. This is, you know, it was like, let's just do this. They stuck at it. They, they stuck to it. I mean, it was challenging every day. We were probably with, with them, so to speak, more during the pandemic than we were else, else time because we, they could be me anytime. They could call up, conversate. I mean, we could have any conversation we wanted to do anytime we needed to. Because that was my, the, men, the uh, medical was what I was mainly in charge of. I, ju- I just think this group of young people are so resilient. You know, and they, those that were really struggling, the extra day to be able to call home really did help them. And being able to get on Facebook, I mean, literally it, it was a a good thing too, you know, because they felt so isolated. You know, you you bring these young people to a mission and you literally take away all of their safety nets, you know, you take away their parents, you take away their social media, you take away their friends and okay, now do, do the Lord's work. Right. And so really bringing this stuff back, it, it helped them. Their mission changed and they found that their missionaries easily adapted into new ways of sharing the gospel. We actually created a social media council and put together, you know, three companionships, two sets of elders and a set of sisters. And then the church got involved with their social media. We had a social media specialist assigned to us and went through some training with them. And then these three companionships, some of our most phenomenal missionaries of all time, got them Chromebooks. You know, that was one of those, what, the missionaries get a Chromebook? You got to be kidding. So anyway, they had Chromebooks, but then they trained every Saturday morning on how to do social media how to do videos, how to do conversations, how to create opportunity via Facebook. And then we created, now catch this, we created 22 Facebook pages. And, you know, nine of those were Spanish and English, Chinese, American Sign Language. And they began and they just became incredibly creative missionaries. Now, they were doing really, really well. They were well. doing extremely well. The whole point of it was to learn how to take a comment, right? If someone made a comment on your, how do you get that into a a conversation and then turn that into being able to teach a lesson, right? Yeah, we got several, several 
teaching opportunities out of just the, those Facebook posts, which was And in many cases, uh, some of our missionaries actually began teaching way more than they were teaching previously, particular ASL elders, American Sign Language. You know, it's challenging to find just knocking on doors, people who are deaf. And we had a little deaf branch that helped us quite a bit. But and for example, the ASL elders began doing uh, EFY videos and signing to those and and bringing a gospel message regarding those. And some of their 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 pre their early videos were hitting two hundred fifty thousand hits. Yeah. You know, so they start teaching people far away as England. You know, they were just having a great great time. I think one of the keys too. You know, we we always had great relationship with members and stakes and ward mission leaders, but it become even more intensified because, you know, one of the things I ask the ward missionaries to do or ward mission leaders to do is to connect with our missionaries every day. And so, you know, I said, you know, it's just not about us, you know, gathering Israel is we're here to help them gather Israel. And it just to become more of a, a connective relationship, I think. with and it was, members Yeah, and it, the was, it was great because then the members could, they could join a teaching lesson right? From their own home, they could go to the lesson that the missionaries were teaching um, their um, investigators. And so, yeah, it just worked great all around. One of the biggest challenges, though, happened because of California's restrictive nature of building usage and then the church's building usage in that area. We couldn't baptize. We weren't allowed to baptize for months. And so that became a challenge until kind of the very end of our mission. Then there was a swimming pool designated as a baptismal piece which is which Which could only happen in right california California. how can you do a multi-zone conference over zoom right and how can how can we touch their hearts and let them know that this work is still important and it's still going to go on no matter what the world throws at us but it was so amazing that the missionaries would say we felt the spirit we felt the spirit so strong even though you were there we were here it was a blessing really to be able to know that we can still connect our spirits will still connect and our hearts can be touched even if at a distance the Hammonds assignment ended in July 2020 they live in Utah now but keep in touch with their former missionaries but we reach out to them. And that's one of the things Sister Ram and I, we pray every day. So who needs us today? Often. Ah, excuse me. Ah. So. They're our family, right? We stay connected to them. Coming up next, hear from two current missionaries serving right now in Orem, Utah. I'm Mary Richards, and you're listening to Preaching in a Pandemic. While the world has been in the grips of the coronavirus, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has had to adapt its worldwide missions. This hour, it's Preaching in a Pandemic with host Mary Richards on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Around 51,000 missionaries are serving right now around the world for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf and his wife Harriet Uchtdorf addressed those missionaries this spring in a virtual worldwide training. You use your smartphones 
to make impressive videos productions <laughs> that you place on social media as part of your missionary work. You are messengers of light, truth and glory. You are messengers of hope and happiness. Your daily service will bless many lives. When restrictions to our missionaries work ease again, don't just go back to the old ways. Go back to the future. Move forward and upward as you apply what you have learned during the pandemic. Two missionaries serving right now are Elder Caleb Peterson from Idaho and Elder David Antion from Vermont. They were called to serve in Peru, but during the pandemic restrictions, they were sent to Orem, Utah, and they've been serving for about 10 months. At first, when I was like knowing that a reassignment was coming and like was kind of anticipating that. So when my state president texted and he's like, you're reassigned to the Utah Orem mission. And at first I didn't really know where Orem was. I kind of only knew about Salt Lake City. <laughs> but when I was like, oh, Utah, like that is where all the members of the church are. And um, so when I first got here, I remember the first day our mission president came in and talked about how even though there are so many members, this makes it the perfect place to do missionary work. And um, that if the members can be um, engaged and active in missionary work and in just the gathering of Israel as a whole in Utah, and it can be as successful as it's going, um, you can just see that it's, it could just go everywhere. The things that you learn about how to work with members, how to use technology, um, that even though you might think you're going to the, I guess, the breadbasket of the church, <laughs> like you can have those experiences and have those blessings that you learn that when you take somewhere else would just, I mean, ex the work would explode there. I mean, you learn those lessons. And I remember getting that reassignment call from my stake president where he said, you'll be going to the Utah Arm Mission. And at first, I, I really wasn't quite sure what to think about it. Obviously, I, I knew that that was where I was supposed to be. That's where I'm called to this work. I'm, I'm called to, to serve and wherever I may end up going, that is where the Lord needs me to be. So as I've been out here, um, I think that one thing that I've been focusing on um, actually comes from um, what Elder Uchtdorf said when he said, focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. And those words just echoing in my head as I go about my missionary service. This is the opportunity that I've been given. I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to use the tools that I've been given, technology being one of them. I'm going to use the member population here in Orem, I'm going to seek out those opportunities to preach the gospel, preach from the Book of Mormon at every opportunity. Um, and I've been able to see so many blessings that come from that. These elders, like so many these days, went through the online MTC at home instead of going in person. The online MTC experience was kind of really out of the blue for me. I got my mission call. It would have been December of 2019. And so I had planned to be going to the per MTC and things like that in person. And um, so to have the pandemic kind of come in and end up being at home was at first a shock. It was kind of unforeseen, but it was an amazing experience to be at home with family, be able to share in that six weeks with them and to see that I got to be a missionary at home and be able to have those experiences, talking about what I was learning, what I was getting to do and people I was teaching via Zoom all the way in Peru and for those, those practice opportunities. Um, but I still think that it just prepares missionaries for the mission field. Nonetheless, you still feel the spirit. You still learn. And you still get to have those experiences that prepare you the way that the Lord needs you to be prepared. And Elder Antion? Um, the online MTC was, without a doubt, one of the most spiritual experiences I had in my life up to that point. Being able to 
start focusing 24-7 on the gospel of Jesus Christ to focusing on bettering myself, bettering uh, myself and becoming the person that God wants me to be. And it was amazing, just as Elder Peterson said, where you're able to share the experiences you have. For me, one of the big obstacles was, of course, learning Spanish. Uh, my dad, being from El Salvador, was actually a good resource for me so I could practice that Spanish every day. And he and I was able to share my experiences, my spiritual experiences with my younger brothers. What has it meant for you in your um, current assignment, current location in Orem, Utah? Um, it's helped me prepare for the lessons I'll be teaching, even though it was in Spanish. It helped me to realize how to teach simply, how to teach clearly, and how to use those precise words, those powerful words that were given. And here in Orem, in the Utah Orem Mission, there is actually a very large Latino community, and we're able to speak with them, even though I may not be the most fluent, I'm able to at least talk with them and talk to them a little bit about uh, the gospel, about their families, about where they're from. So it can be very useful, uh, what, what I learned on the, in the online MTC. And you, Elder Peterson, talk about that training that you received and, and how it's helping you in Orem. Yeah, I think that training, I mean, we go through the MTC expecting that we'll be going to that original assignment. So we were called to Peru. Um, so we went through the Peru MTC, or I guess other Antilles in Mexico, but in anticipation of Peru. Um, but it is kind of just the same thoughts as other Antium that I have, that you're learning to teach simply because you're in a different language, not your native language, but you're feeling the spirit and learning how to recognize it. That was something that was big for me. Um, I think even though I might not be able to speak in Spanish here as much being assigned to an English area, I still get to have those experiences to recognize the spirit and to teach by the spirit and to help people come closer to Jesus Christ in the same way. Um, that's just, I think, the amazing thing about a missionary purpose is that it doesn't change based on where you're called or what language you're speaking, it's always the same. And you're trying to help people have spiritual experiences and then share that gospel with them, help them close, come closer to the Savior. If you want to see their faces light up, ask them how church members and Latter-day Saints can help the missionaries in their work. That is a great question. And I love when people ask that question because it is so easy for, for members to join in to help. We actually share messages with our members right now about social media, about technology, and the benefits of technology in regards to the gathering of Israel, how we can use that power and tap into that. What we've been able to see um, from COVID, from this quarantine. So if you'd like to help, um, all you have to do is just go to whatever page your mission is in or uh, whatever missionary page you'd like to go to and follow it, like it, and then share the content. And even though it may seem small, um, you're making a big impact. There's a lot of people that can see things that we post on social media. Yeah, definitely. I think in our mission, there's a lot of missions throughout the world that are using social media in just such an in-depth way. They're going into pages and trying to help people kind of find those people that are having those questions. And for our mission, we have a lot fewer restrictions. So we're able to be in person with people that are comfortable with that. We're able to, as long as we're socially distanced and we have our masks on, we can have those things. Um, but it's still just an amazing tool that when people maybe necessarily aren't comfortable to be in person, we still have an option to do a Zoom meeting and to um, use Facebook Messenger to interact with them. We don't have to just wait until they're comfortable or something like that. The work can move forward and we can keep sharing the message and getting the gospel out there to everyone um, so that they can come to us, that they can find that message for themselves and know exactly where to come, come to the missionaries, come to the gospel and come to the Savior.
for our mission, we do have a Facebook page and Instagram page that we started up in the middle of that. And it's called the Road to Hope and Peace. And when that started up, obviously, it was it was not a ton of followers. But as we've been able to go through the pandemic and go through this um, time with a, a lot of trials, we've been able to see that the use of social media, we've been able to see um, what good can be done with it. And as that page has been able to grow, we've been able to reach many people worldwide um, and to share with them just a positive message about the gospel, about the love that God has for them. Were you able to watch uh, Elder Uchtdorf's message? Tell mm-hmm. me about what you learned from that. Oh, I mean, I really love that message. I've kind of been reviewing it a lot lately, too. But I think one of the most important things that I kind of got from it, I was reviewing it most recently, was the fact that we don't have to wait for things to go back to normal or to like that, that state of normalcy in order to help the work go forward. The Lord has prepared these tools for this time. I mean, we can be creative. It doesn't have to be some glorious, I mean, perfected professional video or thought. It's those authentic and that real um, personal experiences or those personal and that personal testimony I'm sharing on social media, help people see that the gospel, how it's impacted your own life, how it's impacted my life. I mean, to, when things start to lessen, not go back to just knocking doors and doing those things, but to help the message as it go forward, roll it forward, let that stone roll. Coming up next, the faith and hope that missionary work will continue to thrive moving forward. I'm Mary Richards, and you're listening to Preaching in the Pandemic. Preaching in a Pandemic with Mary Richards on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to our final moments together in this special hour, looking at how missionary work changed and is moving forward in new, stronger ways during the coronavirus pandemic. Everyone I talked to for this special hour expressed their faith and hope that missionary work, while changed, is still going strong and will continue to thrive moving forward. Here are President and Sister Daryl and Joanne Hammond. Everything that happened to us beginning from our mission worked up to the pandemic. Was it a surprise? It was, but were we ready? We were, we were. We didn't know we were, but. We were ready. The Lord had set things in place, right? Sent us the missionaries who needed to be there at that time, who were phenomenal videographers. They were phenomenal musicians. They were phenomenal. They just, they just knew how to do app stuff. You know, the, the missionaries we talked to that have come home and come to visit and whatnot, who were there before pandemic, said, we could have never done it. I said, true. You were sent for the time you were here to do your thing. And they were sent for their time to do their thing because they were ready to go. That makes me think of asking because I, I hear it in your answers, um, but how you saw the hand of the Lord through that time. It was, it was pretty incredible. You know, it's, it's part of it. You know, I think about when we first arrived at our mission, all of our missionaries had brick phones or, you know, flip phones. And they call them brick phones. They, they text. That's all they did. But then when we, when we got to the point of, okay, everything now has to be done through your phone. Every single meeting, every single personal interview had to be done through phones. And, and you're right. I mean, the hand of the Lord was in it because we felt the spirit just as strongly, in some cases more strongly. Hannah Morgan, Kelsey Straw, and Wilson McConkie, now returned from their missions, are moving forward with hope for the future. My experience with coming home early was not unique, right? There's a lot of other people 
who were in my same shoes. The tender mercy that I saw the most was that was that there wasn't any judgment. The Lord put an idea so deep into my mind and made it so apparent that no, people aren't going to judge you. And it took me a long time to recognize that I was put there. But once it did, it like overwhelmed me in a good way. I wouldn't really say that for me, it had uh, like a super negative effect. And that might just be because my personality. I know for some missionaries, you know, when you're isolated and you can't talk to anybody, you, you know, anxiety sets in, depression sets in. And, and I feel like a lot of people have struggled with that. But for me and my companion at that time, it was more of just a huge learning opportunity and one that I've seen so many blessings immediately then and still now continuing today. And so I, I very much cherish that experience. One of the things people would always talk about is, you know, it's the Lord's work. It's still going to move forward regardless of, of whatever the world throws at you. And um, I definitely could, could see that was true. Um, you know, it's definitely like the whole COVID situation is definitely tough. And I think everybody's had to adapt and, and uh, learn from, you know, the humbling circumstances of it. Um, but I think I've just been very grateful for the lessons that have come from all the adversity. And obviously, I'm not grateful for COVID itself. Like, you know, it's a, a terrible thing and a lot of people have died from it. But uh, the lessons that I learned as a missionary I think my I'm I'm very grateful I was able to be a missionary during COVID um, to learn those lessons and learned a lot of humility and patience and just really trusting in the Lord and, and his plan for his work. So that was a great tender mercy for me. Elder Peterson and Elder Antillon are full of optimism and faith. This gospel is, especially as a missionary, I've come to see how much I love it, how much I love living the gospel at that. And that it's not something that is just a checklist. It's something that literally changes lives. We can just feel and just go back to the roots and that the gospel won't be so much, I guess, a superficial thing that it can be planted deep in hearts and that we can go back to the future, I guess, like Elder Uchtdorf talks about, and to really just go back to the basics of the gospel of living it and loving living and being careful as we do so. I guess for me, one of the, the biggest takeaways from this is no matter where you are, no matter where you are called to serve um, or no matter where you are right now, um, that the field is white all around you, that there is work to be done. There are people to reach um, and there's people that have been put in our lives and in your life for a reason. Thank you so much for listening to this special hour on Preaching in the Pandemic, a look at how missionary work has changed but moves forward throughout the world for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Mary Richards, KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought 
There are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.